Yeah, the stages are all very different. Um, we, we did that on purpose. We wanted to make sure that every skilled rider, you know, every level of skill rider could be on the trail and could have a safe, fun time on the trail. So we're seeing a lot of people for these weekday series maybe only sign up for one or two of them because they know that trail, they know that stage. Hey folks, happy April. April means spring and spring means mountain biking. We're talking specifically today about mountain biking in and around the Salida, Colorado area. Chatting about the Absolute Bike Shop, Salida Enduro, Vapor Trail 125, Leadville 100 mountain bike race, in the Salida Racing High School mountain bike team. Uh, great group of guests here. I really enjoyed recording this live in the Absolute Bikes shop uh, with Sean Gillis. He's the owner of Absolute Bikes, also happens to be a 25-time finisher of the Leadville 100. We got Rob Kelly, a local mountain bike ripper, one of my favorite biking companions, Rob, in addition to being a husband, uh, father, and working man, is a uh, former roadie, and he's the head coach of Salida Racing. Uh, That's our local high school mountain bike team that I love to ride with as much as I can as a volunteer coach. We also have Mike Franco and Parker Ronfaz. Uh, these guys are avid cyclists. They're longtime industry professionals uh, and community members, and they are now putting on a couple of great events right around here in Salida. One is the Salida Enduro Series. Uh, we'll tell you all about that. And the other is the legendary Vapor Trail 125 happening in the fall. It's an epic uh, long-distance mountain bike event. Starts at 10 p.m. at night in September and climbs way up high into the mountains before looping back down to town here in Salida. And Mike is uh, taking that over this year. So super pumped to uh, share this with you. I hope it gets you excited for uh, your mountain biking and maybe, who knows, maybe other things too, running, hiking, whatever. Just uh, spring's an exciting time. The days are getting longer. I hope that you're getting to spend uh, just more great out uh, time outside, whether it's alone or with your friends, with your dogs, maybe with your donkey or riding your bike, uh, whatever you're doing. Um, and hey, if you're getting out there in the outdoors, uh, you're probably needing some fueling. Fueling is essential. Uh, we've had a lot of good feedback on uh, the episode last week that I did with uh, my friends Josiah Mitto and John Gaston. We were talking about fueling for your uh, endurance endeavors. If you haven't listened to that, um, maybe check that out and also check out thefeed.com slash Travis Macy, uh, where you can find one of my favorite uh, fueling products, Kyoku. This is a smooth and creamy breakfast shake. Uh, I also like to use it as a uh, as a quick recovery option. It's got a whole bunch of uh, just good real foods in it, uh, in addition to carbohydrates and a good dose of protein. And what I'm often finding myself doing, I get back uh, from my run or my ride and uh, even before I hop in the shower, um, 
I, I mix up some of that Kyoku in my little Kyoku blender. You can find this, uh, search Kyoku at thefeed.com slash Travis Macy. You'll also see uh, this awesome little blender. Uh, it, it just, um, it's like a mug, but it has a teeny little blender motor in it, and you just charge it up uh, using a little USB plug. Uh, and this thing just blends it up um, really quick. So as I'm waiting for the water to heat up in my old-fashioned house here where it takes forever for the water to heat up, uh, I have enough time to uh, pour that Kyoku from the packet into the little blender, put some water in, boom, hit the blend, and then uh, drink it on up. So check it out. This little uh, this little blender thing, um, man, uh, I love it. Alrighty, uh, enjoy the show. Um, again, I just I hope this gets you pumped up for some uh, for some time out there. And uh, as always, if I can help you with any of your um, you know training or racing endeavors, uh, hit me up. Shoot me a message on Instagram or check out travismacy.com. Um, I'm just about full for endurance coaching for this spring and summer, but uh, might still have a slot or two depending on when you reach out to me. All right, guys, thanks a bunch. Have a good one. All right, guys, we are here in the Absolute Bike Shop in Salida, Colorado. It's a beautiful spring day. Snowed a little bit the last couple days, but the trails are melting and the uh, the skiing's still good. Rob and I were both skiing today. Got a little powder up there. Um, life is good. I appreciate you guys uh, being here. Let's... Um, Start with you, Sean. Uh, how'd you get to Salida? How'd you start this shop? I mean, this, uh, I want to set the stage because what I love about your bike shop and what my dad really loves, many listeners will know my dad, my dad loves coming in here and looking at the old bikes. This It's like a bike museum, uh, but they're cool old bikes. Uh, I think there might be a Tomac bike or a Tomac jersey or something. There's some really good stuff in here, Sean. How did, how did this all happen? All right. Uh, thank you, Travis. Um, well, Absolute Bikes um, started uh, with myself and two partners uh, in 1989 in Flagstaff. And then about the 10-year anniversary, uh, I uh, um, became engaged to my wife now, Dina, and she actually had a ski shop here in Salida. Mm. So we decided, um, my partners and I decided to open a, a second store here. And then, uh, um, and we opened, uh, May 1st, 1999. And I started collecting a few bikes and sometimes I forgot to get rid of some of the old ones. And then it's like, Hey, let's put them up on the wall. And, and then there's more and more and more. And, 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 uh, I think there's like 60 bikes up on the wall now. So super excited. Yeah. Cool. Well, good, good for you. And, um, I mean, what's just quick perspective, this town has changed a whole lot since, uh, you know, since you came 37 years ago, right? Yep. So in 1999, uh, we kind of joked about the type of bike riding here. We had, uh, the Monarch Crest Trail and the Colorado Trail and all these awesome technical trails. And then we had, uh, uh, concrete bike paths and nothing in between. So, uh, and the, um, so slide mountain trails kind of started in about 2001, 2003 with, a, a travel management plan with a, a BLM and then took about six to seven years to put the first shovel on the ground. And, and then, uh, the trails 
gradually kept happening. And uh, I think in 2019 celebrated about 55 miles of, of single track trails in the right out of the downtown. So um, uh, we'll, talking about the school district, um, um, we have uh, two, um, uh, our two kids uh, are now in college, but uh, uh, riding bikes to school. So our son from kindergarten to his senior in high school missed uh, two days of riding his bike the whole, the whole time. And, um, and, uh, um, and that's because um, the parents were out of town and grandma wouldn't let him ride to school with 14 inches of snow. Classic. But, but the, uh, um, he used to, uh, be the only bike in the bike rack. And now if you go to the, um, um, elementary school and the middle school and the high school, there's bike racks added every year and they're all full and it is so amazing. So the, so the town's really changed and the, um, the kids riding to school, it's accepted. Um, there's more bike paths, uh, safe routes to school. There's a, um, bike path all the way to Poncha Springs. And, and we kind of take that for granted now. It's like a community connector on that, but imagine, um, not having that. And it was like, there'd be no way to, uh, to safely ride with your kids to, to the, um, to our neighboring community. Yeah. So, and, uh, and one of the neat things about our trail program uh, or at Slide Mountain Trails is it's very uh, friendly to to youth and to beginner cyclists. So yeah, yeah. cool. That's great stuff, Sean. Uh, and, and hats off to you and, and Dina and your shop personally and professionally. You guys put a ton into all of that, uh, whether it's the the AYC, the Absolute uh, Youth. Um, uh, cycling. cycling, that's what it is. Yep. But, but I mean, that's like the talk of the town for all the, uh, you know, folks, my age who have a little kids who's doing the AYC program and it always fills up at about 37 seconds. So <laughs> there's, there's a high demand, uh, and then supporting the, um, the high school team, uh, as well, which maybe is a good transition to, um, to Rob, uh, Rob, why don't you tell us, um, you know, a little bit about yourself, how, how, and when did you end up here? And, uh, yeah, you sure. know, sure. If you don't mind, I'm going to add something though. Oh yeah. So Go what, ahead. what Sean was tell, telling about his son, Camden riding to school every day. Mm. So our kids are, um, the same age, same or no, Camden's a year older than my oldest daughter. And, um, <clears throat> she'd be asking us for a ride to school and, uh, you know, we're, we're, three blocks from the school because it was cold or she was late or whatever. And we'd see Camden go by and his, <laughs> his thing. And he's all the complete other side of town. So we'd be like, Livy, man, look, there's Camden. It's going right by there. So she didn't like that. But yeah, yeah. So my family and I moved here in 2018. And, um, my oldest daughter said, Olivia, um, she is a bike racer and she was between her sophomore and junior year when we moved here. And this awesome guy named James Harmeyer was the head coach. And I just volunteered to help, you know, any way I could. And James, um, got out of it. The, he had been doing it for seven years and he got out of it the next year. And, um, some people took a vote and, uh, I ended up, you know, <laughs> through that process, becoming the head coach of the team. And then we have a director who our director used to be Sean's wife, Dina. 
And once um, their their daughter graduated, she got out of it. And now a lady named Kim Smith um, is the director of the team and does all our social media and everything. And we had, what, 28 kids race last year in a school of 369, which is, I think, really good. We've had as many as 42 kids come out for the team, uh, which is a little overwhelming. But, you know, again, from a school the size, it just speaks to the culture, the mountain bike culture in this town. And um, the another really cool thing about our team is it's all local sponsors. So um, it's affiliated with the school, but it's, I guess, what you would call a club sport. It's not a chassis sport. And um, so all of our money comes from this community, you know, $250 here, $100 there, $1,000 there. And so we've been able to um, not only, you know, have an awesome mountain bike team and great experience for the kids, but um, be able to help kids with equipment when they need it and entry fees when they need it and and um, just kind of go around the Colorado High School Cycling League uh, um, traveling circus in style. Yeah. Cool. Well, good good stuff. I know I've really enjoyed uh, helping out a little bit with slider racing just kind of as much as I can between driving my own kids to soccer and yeah. that kind of stuff. But it, yeah, it's a great it's a great scene. And, and just high school mountain biking in general is super cool and so great that um, – kids have that opportunity and uh you got some multi-sport kids i know sean your son camden was doing soccer and mountain biking simultaneously and cross-country running and, and cross-country running that's right he was doing three at a time um so some <laughs> he used to know, show up on wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> that's right you usually those relationships seem to for me they, they come down to the soccer coach whether or not they <laughs> are a yeah. little bit flexible because usually the running and cycling coaches are a little more flexible well, it's, but, you uh, know it's amazing like coming from the midwest um, and everything's about basketball, football, soccer. Mm-hmm. And here it's so much about other things like the river and skiing and our, and our mountain bike team Yeah, and the amount of effort that goes into it, you know, from the kids just really stepping up and working hard and the parents and the coaches, one of which is you and Sean's coach in the past. Um, it's, it's being somebody who grew up as kind of like the stepchild because, you know, there was, I raced bikes when I was growing up. Nobody raced bikes and everybody's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And here it's, it's a big deal and it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool. Uh, as we're continuing around origin stories, uh, Parker, Mike, wh- go ahead. Either, either one. How, how'd you, when, when and how'd you end up here and what are you doing now? Kind of with the, you know, <laughs> with the Thank you, Parker. bike scene here in Salida. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really started recreating and, and coming to the Valley about 10 years ago. Um, probably well over a decade ago now. And, um, you know, me and the wife really fell in love with, with this area. Uh, uh, it's, you know, just from camping and mountain biking and racing bikes and snowboarding, you know, we're, we're, we're big outdoors people, especially me, um, really just fell in love with the Valley. And, you know, over those 10 years, we, we kind of had this dream that, Hey, when we grow up and get older, maybe we can retire here someday. And, uh, it's just been interesting. In the last couple of years, we really, you know, decided, we said, we need to figure out how to get there before we retire. We, we need to live for today. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that we hit kind of hit a wall with the front range. We were living in Golden, great town, but just a different lifestyle, different pace of life. Mm. Um, we were both in the corporate America world. 
And, uh, you know, we hit the wall with kind of the grind in the front range and corporate America. And about a year ago, we just, we sat down, we were on the same page and we just made that decision and said, you know what, let's, let's figure out how to do it. And a couple months later, we moved to Poncha Springs. So that was last May. Um, we have two kids, a 10 year old daughter, Kayla, uh, my son, Kenny's six years old. And we were just at that point where we really wanted to continue raising them in, in a way that, you know, in a small community, tight knit community, which is one that we really hadn't, hadn't, me and my wife didn't grow up in small communities. Um, and our kids were, you know, in a, in a bigger community in the front range. So felt this was a, an amazing opportunity to get somewhere better in life. And I can just say that it's been the best decision of our lives. Yeah. Nice. Well, good, good for you. Good for you guys. Uh, That's a very, very happy to be here. We did something similar a few years ago, moving from Evergreen, Colorado here to Salida. And, um, the, for me, the irony is not lost that I was leaving Evergreen because the small town that I had grown up in had changed in a way that like, it kind of didn't feel like the small town I grew up in. And, and now, you know, here I am. There's a lot of folks like like me, like Mike, like uh, Rob. You know, fairly recent um, transplants here uh, to Salida, which um, is growing very fast, changing very quickly from you know a, a very rural small town with a lot of agriculture and a little bit of rafting and stuff. But uh, you know, times are changing, and 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 I think it's. Um, yeah, again, I just think there's an irony to like you come to a place because you want it to be a certain way and uh, you kind of don't want it to change, but it does inevitably. What Any, yeah, I, any I, reflections on that, Mike? I, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? Like yeah. it's it's what your what's your norm. And for for people that grew up here, I'm sure it feels like this town's growing quickly. Um, for people like me and my wife who came from a, a much bigger metropolitan area, this still still feels very small, tight knit. Yeah. Everybody is so welcoming. I mean, you, you can't go into a store or walk down the street without somebody saying hi to you and waving to you. And we just didn't experience that in the past five, 10 years in the front range. Um, so I, I still feel that this community's small enough that you, you always run into people, you know, and, and you meet a lot of new people and it's, it's just ex- extremely welcoming, and and yes, while it's growing, I think I think it's growing at a at a reasonable pace, and we we still can maintain that sense of community. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, my wife Amy and I like constantly pinch ourselves, and we're just like we get to live here, <laughs> and like we are, we are not going back. And and a lot of it, I mean, we're talking about the trails, the skiing, the river, like all of that stuff. But, but for us, like really the core, what really has made us happy is the people in the community. Um, you know, and it is, it's a different, it, for us, it feels like a different pace. Um, and it feels like a good pace. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Parker, go ahead. What, What should we know? Uh, well, my, my, uh, my story of getting here is, is, uh, is, is quite long. You know, we don't have all the time for it. We'll have to sit down for a few beers sometime, but, um, ending up in this Valley in 2017 was the best mistake that, uh, I ever made. Um, so ended up here, uh, on accident, got a a job. I come from downtown Minneapolis, living in a 
really major metro area. Um, been in the bike industry now for gosh, almost 20 years, um, which seems pretty wild to say. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was looking for a change, you know, Minneapolis is incredible. The cycling scene there is, is second to none, but I wanted to get out here, um, because my true passion was, was being on single track and, and exploring. And I hadn't gotten the opportunities to do that back in, in the Midwest. Um, and granted the, the trails have, have grown and matured and expanded so much back there. Um, you know, we, we just went back in October and explored more of the, um, the Keweenaw Peninsula and, and, um, uh, the UP of Michigan. And it's, it's getting really, really good out there, but nothing compares to, to being out here and being able to, um, really drive to one of the most iconic trail systems in the world, you know, 20, 30 minutes from your house. It's, it's spectacular. Yeah. Um, so, uh, being in this Valley for me has been, um, much like these, these gentlemen here, it's been a way to connect more with that pace and connect more with, um, the, the terrain and the region that we have around us and enjoy that with the like-minded people that are here. Uh, as, as Mike was mentioning, you can't, you can rarely walk down the street without being noticed and being said hi to, or running into someone, um, at a, a trail intersection, sometimes in the middle of nowhere that you would never expect <laughs> yeah. to run into anybody. And all of a sudden you're, you're there for 20, 30 minutes, catching up with an old friend. And, and it really is, it's one of the best experiences you can have out here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, all right, now that it, now that uh, the audience knows all you guys, we're into the advice section. So I've just signed up here for uh, my. For, I've done you know dozens. I, I don't know how many. I've done a lot of mountain bike races, but they've all been you know cross country and and like basically until I moved here to Salida, my goal was to ride uphill as fast as I could and kind of survive on on the downhills. And then I started riding with Rob and these high school kids and realized like. Boy, my my uh, you know technical <laughs> skill set is <laughs> way way behind. So so I've progressed. Uh, I, I have a new bike that I got from uh, from Sean here, the Yeti SB one thirty, and I'm I'm loving loving this thing, having a, a lot of fun. I'm trying to keep up with Rob out there. Rob's my main teacher, and and I just try to stick with him as long as I can, uh, <laughs> which, which really helps. Um, but so I've signed up for this enduro race. Um, so guys, you guys are putting on an enduro series for the listeners who don't know what, what does enduro mean? How is it different? For example, from, from the Leadville 100, it, Sean, we got to get some comments on that. I think Sean, what, 25 times? Yes. 25 time finisher of the Leadville 100. So not an enduro race, but definitely uh, a challenging feat uh, of its own. Um, Mike, go ahead. What's, yeah. what's the deal with enduro? Well, and, and just to give you some background on me, I come from about a decade of doing endurance and ultra endurance racing, um, but discovered, you know, over the years, how much I love going downhill fast and smashing into rocks. So, <laughs> yeah, um, okay. so I decided uh, while I like going on these vision quests of, of, you know, 10, 12, 20 hour suffer fests in an endurance race, um, I decided to start, um, trying out the enduro, um, format. And, and it's really just, uh, it's an incredible format because you, you're not timed on the climbs. And, you know, so you, you basically, you, you get up to the top of a mountain or the top of a stage that it's not timed, which, 
makes it so that it's almost a social event as you're getting up the mountain, because whether you're with your team or your buddies or just some people you haven't met, you're going up at a pace where you're socializing, you're talking and, you know, it's just, it's just a kind of a different vibe than a lot of bike racing. It's, it's, I, I think it's much more social. And then when you get to the top of that stage, then sometimes you'll have to wait for your turn to start the stage. Um, and again, you're, you're just kind of socializing with people around you. So, um, really love that aspect of it. Um, uh, and then where the timing comes into play is, is they, you know, the timings from the top of the stage and you race down to the bottom of the stage. So primarily enduros are, are descent timed only. Um, oftentimes there'll be a little couple little punch climbs in the middle to keep you honest and keep that heart rate up. But, but that's really the, the, the main format for, for enduro racing. Um, what we're bringing to, uh, to the Valley this spring actually incorporates two different types of enduro racing, I would say. So we're, we're putting on a Sunday event, which follows a more traditional enduro format. Um, so we'll have four stages in one day. So it's, it's kind of an all day event. Um, you know, you'll, transition slowly up to the top of the first stage race down that stage um, and then you make your way over to the to the second stage and so on and so forth um, so that's kind of a traditional enduro that you'll see across the state or across the country where there's four or five stages in one day um, but what what we really we're really excited about is bringing uh, the other aspect of this series is the Wednesday night series that we're putting on um, and it's kind of a town challenge, right? It's, uh, we're you're basically Wednesday evenings, every Wednesday evening in April, uh, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th and 26th of April. Um, we'll be racing a different stage every Wednesday. So it'll be a unique stage every Wednesday, um, starting around 5 PM. Again, you just take your time getting to the top of the stage. You'll have one race run to, to the bottom, um, we'll be doing an after, after party and awards at, uh, at the high side grill. Um, and it, I think it just creates a, a good sense of community. It's, uh, it's actually, um, modeled after a series that I really enjoyed that started a couple years ago. It's the, the Floyd session series, which is down, uh, it's on Floyd Hill in the front range. They started it two years ago. It was also a Wednesday night series and, just the whole vibe of it going out, being able to go out in the middle of the week, you know, it's, it's hump day, you've been working or going to school and it gets you a chance to break up the week, go hang out with friends. You do one race, you know, one, one race run, uh, come to the bottom, you do awards, you, you know, have a cold beverage with your friends and it's just, people are cheering you on and it's, it's really just a, a fun format. And, you know, and the other thing is, is I think it's a, it's a format that has a low cost of entry, both physically and, um, monetarily, you know, it's, it's, a these Wednesday nights are a $40 event. Um, and you don't have to have a ton of fitness. It's early season. Um, you're not having to kill yourself to get up to the top of the mountain. You're just taking your time and, and it gives, it gives people that, you know, either, often like to race. I've had a, a lot of interest from people that, Hey, I've never raced and I'd like to try this out because it seems like it would be fun. Do you think this is right for me? And the answer is absolutely. And, and we really tried to, to structure this and have 
uh, two of the stages are more intermediate, flowy, fun stages, not overly technical, um, which I think will give an opportunity for some less experienced riders to come out and just give, give racing a try and see if it's something that they enjoy. Um, and then we, of course we have a couple more technical stages that will, uh, test even the most talented riders. Um, and, and one of the things I like about this is that the, the four Wednesday stages, um, those unique stages, they're the same four stages that we'll have in the Sunday event. So that Sunday event is open to, you know, it will give an opportunity for people from, you know, out of town, the front range, you know, Summit County, Gunnison, wherever, even Western Slope, to be able to come out and participate in that. But if you're local and you've been participating in those Wednesday night races, uh, we like to think you're going to have the upper hand because you'll be getting a lot of practice out there. Yeah. Nice. I like it. I, I love the, I love the concept. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, th- I think that you're right. Um, you know, a, a couple of the courses are, uh, even for like local kids very much. If a kid knows how to mountain bike, you know, these are, these are trails that they could make it down. Uh, and, and then, yeah, all the way up to the, the challenging, uh, lines are, are quite challenging. Um, yep. yes, they are. <laughs> Especially hooligan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And in, in the, uh, the finale, April 30th, that's the one I signed up for. Ironically, I'm going to be gone every single Wednesday in April, which is kind of weird, but I just happen to have some, you know, travel and stuff. Um, so my, uh, I've been riding quite a bit in the winter. Uh, that's another thing we shouldn't tell people is you can mountain bike all winter here, uh, right after you go skiing, which is a <laughs> pretty good deal. Um, so I've been riding quite a bit now and, and hopefully my, uh, skills will not decrease too much. Uh, no, I, th- I think you're going to be doing just fine out there. It's, uh, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on, on what Mike said, because, um, yeah, the stages are all very different. Um, we, we did that on purpose. We wanted to make sure that every skilled rider, you know, every level of skill rider could be on the trail and could have a safe, fun time on the trail. So we're seeing a lot of people for these weekday series, maybe only sign up for one or two of them because they know that trail, they know that stage. And we we've published all the information on it. Mike and I have spent some time doing some, um, some POV, uh, GoPro, um, videos and course previews that you can check out on our, on our YouTube and on our, our Instagram and Facebook and and such. But, um, you know, some folks are going to really want to go out there to compete against others and really, you know, try and, and put their, their stake in the ground at the beginning of the year. Others are going to go out there to use it as a, a skill enhancer to make sure that they're, you know, checking themselves a little bit before the season starts. And we're going to have, you know, everybody from, from our high school race team participating up to, um, you know, we've got what classes up to the 55 plus range and, um, and we're, we're seeing those fill up, uh, through, through each and every category. So it's really incredible to see the, you know, the diversity and the, the, um, different style of, of riders and racers come out for this. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. I think, I, I do think, I mean, this type of race, it can be an interesting fit for people who are just getting into mountain biking for, you know, people like me and Mike, you know, maybe aging people in endurance riders. And, and again, for the audience, enduro, that's the downhill only is timed endurance. That's, you know, whatever, Leadville 100, you know, 24 hours Moab, that kind of stuff. But, but for me, what's been kind of cool is like, I've, I've gotten to a point where I realize 
I'm never going to be able to ride uphill as fast as I used to. But if I work hard on skills and also, you know, have a newer bike with <laughs> newer technology makes a huge difference, I can actually go faster downhill and, and do it safely, you know, not in an irresponsible way. Because I also, you know, as you get older, you don't want to crash too. Yeah, that's that's one of the really big differentiating points about the enduro style of racing is you know when you when you roll up to a cross country race and you're on the start line you're competing against everybody that's there there's definitely a bit more of that competitive mindset when you're at the start line for an enduro it's you against the trail and and i think a lot of people are going to um show up looking to just best their time or or you know set some personal records up there um and whatever that may mean to them that's the goal of them you know showing up to the start line and, and competing yeah i like it hey guys quick shout out to our sponsor relevate by neuro reserve as you know i'm a big fan of uh protecting your brain um one thing we didn't mention in this podcast that i meant to ask sean about is his fourth grade program this is one of the best things i've ever heard of and sean's been doing it for years through his shop absolute bikes uh every fall sean and his staff visit all of the local fourth graders uh in our elementary schools here in Salida. And I've gotten to see this uh, twice, a couple years ago for my son and then this year for my daughter. So Sean and his staff um, visit the schools and provide a bike clinic uh, for all the kids. And it's mostly about uh, riding safely on streets, um, how to correctly signal at intersections, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like Sean mentioned, we have a great infrastructure here for bikes and and there's a lot of kids biking around it's awesome before and after school every day you just see all these kids on bikes um and another thing sean does is he gives every single fourth grader in town a bike helmet uh for free brand new awesome bike helmet i think this year uh they were they're these sweet smith helmets and uh and the kids love them and and they wear them you see all the kids in town are wearing these same great brand new smith mountain biking helmets so uh that's one thing sean is doing to uh protect local brains and and i just uh i really appreciate that uh one thing i'm doing to try to protect my own brain in addition to wearing a helmet um i wear a helmet even if i'm just biking across town man anytime i'm on a bike i have a helmet on uh i also use a supplement called relevate by neuro reserve you can find that at neuroreserve.com slash travis macy and if you use the code travis macy all caps you will get 15 percent off uh this is a great supplement that more or less helps your uh your diet what you put in your body go closer to the mind diet uh this is a a way of eating uh that was identified in a big study in 2015 uh to make a significant difference in uh preventing cognitive decline so uh in addition to wearing a helmet to exercising to maintaining my relationships to 
sleeping as well as I can, um, you know, all these other things. Uh, taking Relevate by NeuroReserve uh, every single day is is one extra thing I'm doing. So again, check that out, neuroreserve.com slash Travis Macy. Uh, and as always, guys, if you, if you are out there on a bike or anything else, please, please, please just wear a helmet. And wear it all the time. Even if you're biking uphill, Put your dang helmet on because, you know, who knows? There, There's cars. There's other things. You just never know. Um, keep that helmet on your head. All right. Hey, thanks. Um, back to the show. So on, on to the – some people do race enduro, though. And, and Rob, that's, this goes to you because you coach one of the best enduro racers in America, uh, Cole Peterson, who um, has joined, I guess, the national team, which meant he, he was one of the top three ranked uh, American riders, and he's riding the World Cups and, I don't know, world champs, all this kind of stuff. What, like, what should we know about Cole and his training? We should have got Cole here. I think he's probably – Cole's, and, Cole's actually in Tasmania. Okay, Cole's in Tasmania. So that's <laughs> he just called me here. yesterday. He he uh, took him three days to get there. But the um, the uh, Enduro World Series kicks off in Tasmania a week from <clears throat> this weekend. Hmm. And uh, yeah, Cole is he grew up racing motocross. I've known him since he was born, and um, I know his dad. And uh, both he and his his other brother that is a pro cross country racer. He lives in golden mm. are just really gifted on the downhills. Like, I don't know if you guys have ridden with Cole, but he's, it's crazy. I mean, he, yeah, he's gone. He's just gone in two turns and then you never see him again until you get to the bottom. Yep. And, um, but he used to race cyclocross with us back in Chicago. Mm. And, um, you know, I started working with him there and, um, as did my nephew, Peter worked with, with him when he was younger and he came out here and um darner put on the funduro the salida funduro hmm. and that was his first uh try he lived in bv at the time and worked at an ice cream store and um that was his first shot and he was awesome and so he just kept going and the kid just every year he he just goes to another level like another level another level last year he won the pro class in the bme he got picked for the trophy nations team um, went to, I think it was in Spain last year and, uh, the U S team ended up getting third and nice. the best, uh, enduro racer in the world is this guy named Richie rude. Who's from the U S. Um, but then there are just a bunch of mostly Europeans and Kiwis and guys from Australia who are awesome now too. But, but, um, but the cool thing for Cole, Cole doing the trophy nations is it's a weird format. Like they start, all three people take off at the same time mm. on the stages. Mm. And so you're, it's like they're right behind you. So yeah. Richie Rude would lead with Cole would be second. And then the other guy's name is escaping me would be third. Mm. And, and they're all on a team, the whole, yeah, all, all they, three U.S. guys. But then you add up your score or, or your oh. time at the end. Mm. So if somebody crashes and they lose a minute and a half, you know, that comes off the team mm. score. But the cool thing for Cole is it gave him an opportunity to ride behind Richie mm. and he just learned some things yeah. about just tactically how to approach yep. an enduro race, like not going hundred percent out of the gate, mm. you know, and, and things like, and he and I have talked about this a lot. It's with enduro. It's not necessarily how fast can you go through the gnarly stuff? Cause you're just not going to live that long. If, if you're, you know, like <laughs> shooting hooligan as hard and fast as yeah. you can, you got to yeah. do it there's only so fast you can go on crazy stuff. 
And um, but it's the you know it's the pedally parts where mm. you make up hmm. the time. You know it's the little uphills like Mike was talking about, yeah. and um, coming out of turns and things like that. So the training actually is is very intense. You know he's a power meter, heart rate monitor, all those the matrix you get from that information, and um, and you know he works on VO two max intervals and aerobic endurance and FTP stuff and sprints and you know goes to the gym he's actually trained by this ex um uh got uh cletus this ex defensive back for the patriots oh man has a gym in california yikes and so he goes there and trains (laughs) with him you know for a couple of months before he before he hits the circuit so he is amazing and and you know the, the other thing i'd like to mention is about this enduro race and what these guys are doing is this town has some crazy talent in it like you know if you've ever ridden behind Parker, I'm sure he's going to be busy, but he would be up there in any enduro race. Um, this guy, Fred Maxwell, Zach White, um, Cam Rose, you know, who was neck and neck with, with Cole before Cole kind of exploded and a bunch of these high school kids. And so for me, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the locals because they don't really race, you know, I mean, some of the high school kids will go to, um, to Floyd Hill or, yeah, you know, different things. But for the most part, people just ride hard. They ride fast. Um, it's really hard to keep up with them and it's scary as hell. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what these locals do. I, I, that's good. Kind of the most interesting thing yeah. for me to see. Yeah. This. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, and talking to Cole a little bit, uh, I've been lucky enough to ride Rob with you and Cole a couple of times and, and you're right. Just seeing how, I mean, I don't see him for very long, but just <laughs> how fast he goes on the downhill. And he's obviously a, a very, of just an overall fit rider because i think at, especially at that highest level you have to be able to do these huge climbs you know you, you're not riding them at threshold but you have to be able to ride these you know what four or five six thousand foot climbs at times all day long at that level and, and then to get there and just have it not make a dent on you you got to be in prime condition at the top and then like you said you know pedaling hard explosivity you know really nailing everything um, yeah, these- so i think it's you know it's it's neat the fitness level and how at at that at that World Cup level, how long are the downhills? I mean, are we talking five minutes, ten minutes, uh, it fifteen varies. minutes? I would say an average stage, and these guys probably know better than I do. But an average stage is, um, you know, a few minutes long, not crazy long. Sometimes I'll have a long pedally stage, but generally I would say under five minutes, hmm. under five minutes long for sure. And these guys, like, they're really well trained athletes. I mean, they, the top guys you know, like Cole and I'm sure I don't, I don't see Richie's files, but Richie and people like that, I mean, they can push, you know, 400 Watts for five minutes. Wow. You know, I mean, they're like seriously trained cyclists, not just, you know, crazy ass downhillers. Yeah. (laughs) Huh. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of stats, I wrote down one stat because I, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, man, I'm a pretty good mountain biker riding along, you know, feeling proud of myself. And, and so I, I looked on Strava the other day, uh, and <laughs> I had followed Rob down sand dunes that, uh, this is one of the best downhills around here. Uh, it's 1.36 miles. You drop 724 feet average of 9.9%, which is not that steep, but there are some steep sections There's some, there's some good rocks. It's, it's, a I don't know how it racks up to the enduro world, but it's a challenging trail. You know, it's a black at any rated mountain bike place. And, uh, 
And according to Strava, my record is uh, 6 minutes, 32 seconds. That put me in 66th place on the Strava leaderboard. And, and, you know, following Rob down that, I basically thought, like, I don't think I could ever go any faster than this. And (laughs) maybe I could, you know, maybe maybe if I get a, you know, a bike with some more travel or something like that. But uh, it felt pretty fast to me. And then so I looked at the leader. The the record was 443. Um, Cole Peterson was in second place 447 um but that's just that's a huge difference that's like almost two minutes you know over the course of six minutes like that's basically a different world so you know to to just fathom how fast um some of these athletes go is um pretty amazing you have you have children to provide for so (laughs) yeah well yeah and but no matter what i do i mean like even if i wanted to take big risks there's like there's just absolutely no way i don't know that my uh, brain functions that fast um let's see uh in any other final thoughts on on enduro guys before we we got a couple long distance events we'll go to sean about leadville 100 and then and then uh, mike's got something in store about maybe one of the best long distance rides um I would say just the, the last thing with, with the Enduro event this, this spring is um, one of the things that I've noticed and, and what's really made, made us want to bring more mountain bike events to the valley is we live in one of the best places to mountain bike in the country, in my opinion. And I think that's probably the opinion of those around me. Um, and it, we really don't have that many mountain bike events. And, and quite frankly, we're going the wrong direction. And we're, we're actually losing a couple events this year. Um, so that's kind of the passion that I, uh, that is behind this is wanting to bring more events to the Valley, more opportunities for the, the local folks and the, and the local high school kids to have an opportunity to race their bikes and, and having it in April is, which I know a lot of people may consider that a risk with weather, um, we feel pretty good about it. It's we're we're fortunate to be in the Salida Banana Belt. There's really nowhere else you can race your mountain bike in Colorado in April. Um, so we're 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 really excited about that because we know as people are transitioning out of the snow sport season, uh, people get real antsy and are chomping at the bit to race their bikes. So we're we're hoping that that bring, this brings that opportunity to them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's good timing. You know, I mean, there could be a freak snowstorm at the end of April, but highly unlikely. And in these trails here, I mean, like we've been riding them all winter. So we've been riding them all winter. (laughs) If it does snow, it'll melt again in two days. And on that note, I actually have been working with the the three jurisdictions, the BLM, Chafee County and the city of Salida. And we've secured a backup Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, If one of the Wednesday events were to get canceled, we have a backup on May 3rd. Uh, and we also have a backup for the Sunday event on May 21st. All right. Um, so that's been, uh, we've gotten kind of the, th- the thumbs up from all three jurisdictions. Um, so we do have a backup um, for both the Wednesday and the Sunday, yeah. which nice. we're excited about. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a short enough trip for those on the front range. And uh, yep. uh, what else? Other, we got Salida 76. That's a gravel uh, event more in the fall. Great event that people can come out to. Um, what, the Crest Crank? When's that? That's uh, September or something? Um, uh, it is in September. And those are uh, um, on the on the same weekend. And also the Banana Belt will be that Yep. Also, so there'll be uh, three events, which will be nice. 
super some other exciting. options. Yeah, and April sixteenth, another fantastic, uh, unique Salida option: the pole pedal paddle. Uh, start up at um, Monarch Pass and ski uphill for a little bit before skiing downhill on a pretty cool course that can get technical and icy, maybe a little rocky. Uh, there's, it's a variety experience depending on the conditions. And then you, uh, get on your mountain bike and, and, uh, I, I did the pole pedal paddle last year for the first time with my son, Wyatt. And, and I was telling Wyatt like, Oh man, the, the bike's mostly downhill. And, and it's true. It is mostly downhill. Cause you, the net, I mean, you start at what? 10,000 feet and you finish at seven. So it is, it's mostly downhill, but there's a hell of a lot of climbing. I mean, I don't know, 3000 feet of climbing or something. And, and like, you know, for an 11 year old, he, he made it. So we did some pushing and stuff. Um, and yeah, and then you get to paddle down the Arkansas river, which is a classic. So, um, you know, super cool sport. I know, um, Sean's son is, is one of the favorites, uh, Every year, and um, I think Sean's team won it last year, didn't he? I, I, yes, and Paul, that's here in the store, and mm-hmm. and uh, as our skier, I did the the bike, lost a few places, it, and then we had Mike Harvey on the on on the on the paddle part and yep. he, he gained it back cause he's amazing. Yeah. Mike Harvey, man, there's a blast from the past. I used to see that guy at adventure races and stuff back in the day. He's, he's been the best paddler around my entire paddling career. Um, yeah. So what about Leadville 100, Sean? I mean, it's, it's, could I, could I, Oh yeah, go ahead in here. Yeah. So we also, um, we're going to have the return of the Fibark mountain bike race. This oh, year. all right. So okay. Father's be, day weekend. Yep. Yep. So it'll, um, not sure of the course, but it'll, it'll be one of the iterations of the previous years and probably be simplified. So that doesn't wear out the volunteers. It's sometimes very hard to get, uh, volunteers on that fourth day of a, mm. um, yep. long weekend, um, so, and, and also, uh, uh, add into, um, um, Mike and Parker kind of hinted at this a little bit, but the amount of work from, you know, getting the permits and insurance and mm. timing and, and all that, the, the, those guys need a, a big hand on that. Cause it's, it, it is amazing. So it's, it's, um, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to go do this event, but, but getting the insurance, getting the um, all the things that go with it that are um, no one really thinks of, and permission from land managers is yep. actually a really yep. big deal. Yeah, it that uh, it gave me a huge amount of respect for all the race promoters that um, you know that I've been a part of those events over the years. It it's mind blowing. You know, as racers, you see a f- small fraction of the work that goes into it. And, and, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't complain about one little hiccup in a race. And, yeah, we all, we all have. Yeah. And, yep. and you just, you don't understand how much goes into uh, putting one of these things on. And it, it, I've gained a lot of respect for that. And it's, it is a lot of work, but it's, it's going to be extremely rewarding and love to do it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, good. Good for you guys. All right, Sean. Finally, quick reflection. 25 years of Leadville. I mean, this race has, it started in 94, uh, the Leadville 100 mountain bike, which means it hasn't happened a whole lot more than 25 times. Um, how many times have, have you done it? You've seen a lot of changes. Your, your son's done it, what, a couple, few times now or something? Um, um, yes. So uh, last year I completed my 25th and uh, my 
son, uh, Camden, he was, uh, 30th overall. So his, his third race and, and, um, and he definitely whooped on my fastest time and we'll, we'll say bikes are faster now, but so, so are the kids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. And, and we've, we've seen so many changes in those years from, you know, we can go into all the, the things on the bikes and the planning and, and, um, and, you know, one of my, uh, favorite, favorite stories is, uh, uh, um, Dina, before we were married, she actually, um, when she lived in, in Poncha Springs and then, um, she actually was our crewing station for, uh, uh, friend, uh, Jim Gibson and I, and, and, um, so she watched the start and went back and, you know, um, uh, there, you know, got all the gear and then drove out to the twin lakes aid station and was, and she goes, I wasn't sure if it was the right place. I was the first person there, <laughs> which <laughs> yep. now, now it's like a three day party. And <laughs> yeah, it's, no kidding. Uh, it's just so different. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, yeah, so the, uh, the Leadville 100, it's, it's definitely where it, it's, it, it, people, like moved to Leadville for, for this. And, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. and I've always heard of the run and, 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 uh, and that mystique and, and, um, and living here in Slida, we are one hour away from it and we are so blessed because we can actually, you know, sleep in our own bed and, and get up early and go for a, a long ride. And, and we don't have to mess with, with like days of travel and putting our bike in bike boxes and, and all those things. And yeah, so we are so lucky to be here. So, I do, um, and then my experience, uh, you know, uh, over the years is it's like a, a reunion of all these people that, that I, you know, have met and, and, uh, and there's a lot of people that, uh, do the race multiple times and get to, I get to see them, uh, once a year or, you yeah. know, or, um, a lot of times they'll stop in the shop on the way through and then on the way back and, and say hi and, and visit. So it's a, it, it's, it's definitely a reunion and a party and, and I feel blessed that we're, we're so close to it. So. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. You're going to keep going forever indefinitely. What's the plan? Uh, um, I've got a few, I've got a few more, um, left in me. So, um, and, and, uh, it's, 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 um, right in the middle of, of summer and, and it's like one of these days I'll, I'll have a, a real fast, uh, uh, race again and, and, uh, and keep up with the kid. But I, but, uh, this year is actually really special. Um, our, uh, Dina and, and my daughter, uh, Cassidy is, uh, she'll be 19 and, and she was talked into doing it this year. Alrighty. She's, she actually said, okay. Yeah. So I get to do it with both kids and it's an, you know, an honor of my life. And, uh, the, the deal I made with Cassidy is we'll ride together unless you want to go faster and then you can go faster. All right. And, uh, so, so I have the, um, um, in the back of my mind, I better be in better shape so that we could ride her pace yep. or else I get to ride by myself. So, <laughs> so, um, oh man. Yeah. And so that'll be really, really exciting yeah. to, to do that. I love it, Sean. That's great, man. Go, go Cassidy. <laughs> and, and I just, I love how like, it's fun how our, 
motivations for racing or events can change over the years. You know, I think for a lot of people, it starts out and it's like all competition, you know, and probably all of us have spent, you know, summer, a lot of time in that mindset. And then maybe it switches to doing stuff with your kids or keeping up with your kids or, you know, having an impact, um, on, on the community or the world or, or, you know, for Rob right now, I'll, I mean, the time that you put into coaching the high school team, I mean, it's a, it's a ton of time, but it's also a big impact, you know, you know like you're changing people's story. lives and it's, it's neat how that can, that can shift, uh, over time. And I think you're right that, you know, you had mentioned great mountain bikers in the community. There's a lot of people who could go out and win races or whatever if they wanted to, but like, you know, they're at a point where they don't really want to and that, you know, that's fine. You could still be involved. What were you going to say, Rob? Yeah. Just quick story about Sean's kids. Um, so Camden's older. And, and, uh, this just amazing athlete and, uh, Cassidy is also an amazing athlete. And when Camden was a senior, the Colorado league was broken up into just two regions, North and South. And it's a lot of kids. It's like, you know, upwards of 2000 kids are in this, in this league every year. And so in our region, which was that year held in the, the regional championship was held in, in Eagles. So you're going against half that league. Um, Camden, I can't remember exactly what he got. He got fifth or sixth or something amazing in the region. And, um, and, and Cassidy got third. Mm. And so, um, the next day in the newspaper, it said, you know, Gillis gets sixth was the headline because it's oh, always man. Camden's like in the yeah. paper all the time. Everybody knows Camden. Yeah. And so I went to practice that day and I looked at Cassie and I'm like, what's with the paper? And she said, what? And I'm like, Gillis got third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she smiled and gave me a hug and she's like, yeah, Gillis got third. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So I can't wait to see what happens. In yeah. Nice. Thanks for sharing. I, I do want to make a comment that Sean, Sean's pretty incredible when, when it comes to the Leadville. I believe last year he pretty much did the Leadville off the couch. Um, we're trying not to do that as often. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's very painful. Don't recommend um, uh, Coach Travis. Um, don't, don't ever give the, anybody that advice. Um, tell them to train. And, yeah. yes. well, Just but, saying you're capable yeah. of it. You know, you knew where to go. That's helpful. All right. Well, on to uh, last last but not least, a fantastic uh, endurance event that has been on my radar for decades, and I have yet to do it. Maybe one of these times, uh, but that's the Vapor Trail 125. Uh, what should what should we know, guys? Well, what I'll what I'll state before Mike starts getting into the the history, lineage, and, and prestige of of the Vapor is you know you, you were talking, Travis, about how motivations for people change mm, over time. Yep. And I think, um, and I can speak for myself personally, but uh, events for me now are a chance to see something that I've never seen before mm, and, a, mm. and a chance to ride through terrain that I've never ridden before. And that's the appeal of, of events uh, that I choose to participate in uh, these days. And I think that that um, segues into the vapor um, kind of this vision quest of, of races that we are so blessed to have here in the Valley. Yeah. Um, and with, with Mike here taking kind of taking the torch and, and running with it on that, that race for the, for the foreseeable future, right? It's a big responsibility, Mike. It's a huge responsibility. And um, 
I would say before, kind of before I get into what what it means to me and and why I'm taking this over, the best person to give the the history and and the lineage is is the man Sean Gillis, who the, this race was his baby for many many years, um, uh, with you know with a couple other collaborators. So I, I I would be doing the race a disservice if I tried to to present the history. And I think the history of this event that's so important to this community and to the ultra endurance community, I think we want to do it justice by letting Sean tell us a little bit about the past. This is going to be very fun. Um, so in the early 2000s, the, 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 there is talk of this idea. So that's, so Andrew Massesson uh, uh, came up with, um, hey, let's let's put this event together that covers all of the best single track in the whole valley. That's 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 um, that's how it started. Mm. And there's actually been I think four different course modifications just because of um, um, we we found a few things and there's a couple closures and you know and and such, but. Uh, but um, that was that was the original idea, and uh, uh, Tom Purvis, uh, um, uh, Andrew, and I, we kind of just did a pact, and it was we uh, we each took on different things, and um, you know, from permitting to marking to, and then we'd rotate to um, one person would get to um, ride it, and and um, and and to ride the course is actually a little bit easier than being race director, uh, Mike, just so you know, <laughs> thanks for the heads up. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, it is, um, you know, some of the, uh, it was, and way back in 2005 to do, uh, uh, 125 miles with that kind of elevation, it was kind of unventured territory. And, um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're now people are like training for it and, and, their bike is specially set up for it. And, and originally it was kind of like, okay, we're going to go out for this really long ride and we'll, um, we'll get back before dark the next day is kind of how it was. And wasn't a lot of, wasn't a lot of people. The, there was a little bit of vetting to get into it. Um, uh, some of the finished percentages were, um, you know, high eighties and low 90% on if you, Mm -hmm. if you started it, um, there'd be a good, good chance you're going to finish it because of it's, it's, um, yeah, you, that was the goal. And, and, yep. and, um, and, uh, oh gosh, some of the questions, um, you know, you know it's kind of like, you know, is my, are my lights going to make it or, you know, um, it was before GPSs and things like that. So it's kind of like, it was all, all marking and, and nutrition for a 12 hour event or a, um, uh, a solo 16 or 18 hour event, you know, people are just learning a lot of stuff and it was, it was amazing. The, the, um, the race always had, um, uh, the best aid stations where if you just showed up and, um, and had, um, you know, a, if you could make it from one place to the next, to the next, the aid stations, there was enough food and energy there and motivation that you could keep continuing, which is, um, probably one of the most, uh, um, uh, um, 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 the best parts of it. And, and I mm-hmm. think that part, um, continued for so many years and, and I think it'll continue again. And, uh, 
um, it's, uh, trying to think of, uh, another amazing thing, you know, like if you look at the, the, how long it took to get to the first aid station, you know, those first years and, um, and there's some fast people in the first years. It's like now the whole group goes through there at that time, mm. <laughs> you know, so people are faster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, unventured and unsure is now, um, everybody knows that they can, um, um, ride fast and, and, uh, the, the amount of single track. So, you know, on, on, uh, some hundred mile races, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of gravel roads or two single tracks side by side, you know, um, this one is true Colorado single tracks and, and some of the, the best ones of the area all thrown in together. And no matter how tired you get from uh, uh, riding all night long, uh, um, if you get it, you know, when you get to Monarch Crest, you, you know you're almost home free. Not, <laughs> not home free, but almost. Mostly but, downhill. But, you, but you're so motivated. You're, <laughs> yeah. You actually yeah. have the the worst, most challenging part of the course ahead of you still, um, which was a cruel joke played by the the uh, course organizers. With, Tom Purvis. Yeah, with this totally unnecessary Starvation Creek lollipop. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, Sean, thanks for getting this race going. Because yeah. it is, you know, it's funny, like in the mountain bike world, everyone knows of the Leadville 100. Like everyone knows... You know, it's long, it's hard, 100 miles above 10,000 feet, and, and it is very hard. And everyone knows of, you know, 24 hours of Moab and some of the, these other things. Um, every time I've heard the Vapor Trail mentioned, it's like there's kind of like a, like sort of a hush or like a gasp or, yeah, a little like, um, you know, or those who've, who've done it, um, you know, they, they all talk about it. It's like one of the favorite things uh, that they've ever done. So, uh, uh, tell us, Mike, like what are the, just the, the stats, 125 miles. Do you know how much climbing, how it's, much time it, above, you know, 10,000 feet? It's, it's a really challenging mission. Yeah. So 125 miles, uh, on the old Garmin, it typically ranges between 17 to 19,000 feet of climbing, um, depending on, uh, how generous your Garmin is. Um, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, it starts at 10 o'clock at night, which is, it's really a, that's a challenge for a lot of racers. I know a lot of strong racers that simply just can't or don't want to race at night and and starting at 10 o'clock at night, it really makes it interesting from being rested up for the race because it's a huge undertaking. So, um, I, you know, I can't, and I would say you spend a, a, large portion of that event above 10,000 feet. Mm. Um, it, it, through the night, you know, it's, you're basically racing in the night for eight hours. And I would say at least a solid six of eight of those hours are climbing. Yep. So kind of wrap your head around that. That's, uh, yeah. Is there any temperature concerns? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I was going to say, what's, yeah, what's the date yeah. this year? And, so, and uh, I mean, well, you know, so we're going back to the, the original date. Uh, it had been moved into the third weekend in August, the last couple years. Um, it had traditionally been run the weekend after Labor Day. Mm. Um, and really, uh, you know, yeah, there can be an argument saying that you have more chance of, of snow, 
um, certainly that could be the case. But having it at the end of August uh, presents some challenges. You have a lot of other big races with yep. Breck Epic, Leadville, Park City, Point to Point, some of the other uh, ultra endurance underground events. And it, I think it really prevents a lot of people from being able to participate in Vapor. So we're moving it back to September 9th and 10th. Uh, mm. Of course, that's that's based upon we're, we're going through approvals and waiting on U.S. Forest Service approval, Chafee County, City of Salida. Um, I'm optimistic that we'll, we'll get those. But um, it's yeah, it's it's really an interesting, challenging event um, starting the race in the dark for eight hours. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It, it makes it special. And and you really hit the, the high point of the race, which is Granite Peak, which is at nearly 13000 feet. That's about a 45-minute hike-a-bike to get up to Granite Peak. And you hit that at about the coldest part of the day, um, you know, right before dawn. Yep. Um, it can certainly be um, sub-freezing temperatures. And that follows one of the best descents in, in Colorado, which is Canyon Creek. Um, but it can be a little bit uh, spicy coming down that descent and, 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 <laughs> yep. and, and light with lights. Yeah. Um, I'll say for, for me, I, I started Vapor as a competitor. Um, I started it, I raced it in 2015 and 16. In 2015, I did not, um, I would say I was not overly prepared. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, really didn't know if I was going to finish the event. Uh, I hit Marshall Pass and um, I laid in the dirt trying to take a nap for 15 minutes. And I think Tom Purvis you know, rustled me up and gave me a pep talk and said, probably said you're going to freeze to death if you stay here. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> by, by then it was like middle of the day. Sunday, okay. So it was, it was gorgeous. I was, I was, right. I was a back of the packer, but, um, you know, it ended up fighting through it, um, finished the race in just under 20 hours, which was, uh, that was a long, a long event. Um, but you know, I learned a lot that first year and was able to come back the next year, um, much more prepared. And it really comes down to, to training, preparation, nutrition, pacing, all those things. The, the best advice I ever got front for that race is a, um, multi finisher, Jeff Kirkove, um, pro yep. writer for Ergon, yep. um, obviously a, a ultra endurance legend and, uh, it was the the night before the race and Jeff, uh, walked up to Jeff, didn't know Jeff at the time. And, and I, and I asked Jeff, I said, Hey, what's the, what's the best advice you can give me for this? And he said, Mike, do not race this event. Hmm. He said, do not treat it as a race. Just treat it as you're going out for a long bike ride. Yep. And he said, when you start and you feel like you're going slow, go slower. <laughs> and, and it was funny because that first year I, or the, I'm sorry, the second year I was literally in last place going into the Colorado trail. Um, and thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm doing this all wrong. And then by the time I got through that hour and 15 minutes of Colorado trail, I'd passed half the field. Everybody else went out really hard and really learned that that's, that was the name of the game is just taking your time, pacing, keeping up on your nutrition, um, and learned a lot and, and managed to take two and a half hours off my, my finish time that year. 
Um, but then after that year, I, I decided I wanted, wanted to kind of enter a different aspect of the race and came back and ran, uh, the first aid station, hmm. uh, at Cascade, um, got a good group of people and really, really enjoyed putting on an aid station and seeing it from a different aspect and, and really providing support for the event. Um, so that was 2017, the year before, um, the, the race had to be postponed due to the, uh, the, there was a rock slide on Tamichi Pass, which mm. shut down the race for a few years. Um, it, it now runs runs over Hancock Pass. Um, and, well, and when was the Altman? Uh, I'm sorry, the Altman Pass uh, closure was between 15 and 16. Um, uh, yes, it was. And, and uh, Altman Pass, a lot of people are not familiar with that, but that is the that is the the route over the Alpine tunnel itself. Yeah. So, which is, um, and, and you know, and a, a very important name so that it's, it's good to get that out to the, to the group. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually something I'm really excited about. A, a lot of people want it to go back to that original course, which goes mm. over the Alpine tunnel. And, uh, the, the forest ranger just informed me about a week and a half ago that, that may be opening in the next year or so. So hopefully in the future, we'll be able to go back to the original course. Um, but, you know, more than anything, uh, me wanting to take this uh, event over, it's the most special event I've ever done. Um, it's I've raced ultra endurance events across the country, and nothing is more special to me than, than the Vapor Trail. Um, I actually approached Sean in 2019 about potentially taking the event over uh the timing wasn't right i was still living in the front range um but feel extremely fortunate now to to be able to come in and and kind of pick up the torch and hopefully carry this event on for for many many years to come yeah and um and yeah also excited that you know and i know sean did this for years um sean would donate proceeds uh, from the event and really kind of treat it as a nonprofit to give back to the community. Um, so this year we'll be um, donating all proceeds to Salida Mountain Trails, uh, the high school racing team, and CCMR, which is the, the local moto group that provides a lot of the support and, and yep. really helps us put this event on. We we really couldn't do it without the moto support that CCMR provides. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I tell you what, that, that, uh, moto, you know, off-road Jeep community, I don't know anything about, but I know those people, they come out and they support like the, the high lonesome 100, uh, ultra run. I mean, those guys are running H station, giving all the volunteers rides. It's, it's they awesome. Do, they like, do a tremendous amount of trail work as well. And, uh, we, we all in the Valley have a tremendous amount of respect for yeah. CCMR. They're, they're a huge group and, and do a lot for the community. Yeah. Cool. Well, good, good stuff. Vapor Trail 125. If anyone's listening to this and they're looking for a big challenge, Parker, as you said, a vision quest, um, this is the one. If, if someone's out there and they like something like the uh, Elk Mountains Grand Traverse Ski Race, um, this, this to me, you know, the, the a similar kind of things like, a, you know, a mission, you're starting at night, variable conditions. Um, it's, it's a real deal. It's, uh, it's the sure. holy, it's the holy grail of single day mountain bike events. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, do you know what the maximum number for the field is Mike? And so I, it's always been published as a max of 74, but I think there may be Sean, there may be a little bit of leeway on that. 
we will have to ask our U.S. Forest Service um, permit person. Uh, and um, the the largest event size I want to say might have been in the mid fifties, and um, and and uh, could have handled a little bit more um, easily. But that it did. Um, it's it's a kind of a it's it's a tough event to get more people than that and this might this might be the year to to um to get up there and that would be so exciting too and um and i'll i'll throw out a, a few things um you know on you know being in an aid station the most exciting thing is to cheer people on and get them going and mm. and if they're in a, a low amount uh you know it's like you kick them in the butt and tell them to to keep going and and the and but when the when you're at an aid station and there's, um, uh, you know, if there's 20 people, it's not as exciting as if there's 74. So um, I look forward to a, a, a bigger group showing up, and and uh, and the aid stations are so motivating where it's it's a real big deal where it's like you know there's um, you know it's usually racers or are. Um, ultra uh, distance event people and, and they're asking all the right questions of um, let me take your bike and get it ready for you and make sure it's okay. And, yep. and why don't you eat some food and do you have your sunscreen? And, you know, so, you know, the, it's, it's um, kind of like a, um, a, a bike person's version of uh, rural NASCAR, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> rural NASCAR at 11,000 feet. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say last, last year, um, Parker and I, and a, a great group of uh, folks, we, we put on the Snowblind aid station and we had the NASCAR pit crew. Parker was going through, you know, coming off of Canyon Creek. It was very wet. People's drive trains were in very poor condition. Parker was went into bike mechanic mode, was getting drive trains cleaned up. We were cooking pancakes and bacon and ramen and just we, we had a, a, a great setup and and everybody but two racers and they were the top two guys. Everybody took a pancake and bacon. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Even some of the, I mean, pro level racers, man, they, they got, it's a long stretch from aid one to aid two. And they got through that and they said, yeah, I'll have a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, good, warm food, man. Yep, that's, the way, that's the way to do it. Oh man. Well, guys, this is awesome. I, I appreciate all the, the stories. I've learned uh, some good stuff about the, the history uh, of, of biking in the area. I do want to mention uh, there's a film called, I think it's The Rider and the Wolf. Is, is that the right name? Uh, listeners can search that. Look on Vimeo, The Rider and the Wolf. Um, and that's just a, a man, I, I love that film, but it goes into history of mountain biking, specifically in Salida and also in Crested Butte. It kind of sort of becomes a, a murder mystery. Um, but it, I thought a very well done film that people can check out. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us, Travis. Yeah. It's been awesome to to catch yeah. up with. How do you guys. how do people find out about all this stuff? Let's start over here. How do they it, Salida Enduro Races and then Vapor Trail One Twenty Five? What's the best website? Instagram? Yeah, whatever? so uh, Salida Enduro, both the weekday series and the weekend one day series. Uh, you can find out more information about that on SalidaEnduro.com. Um, we've got links to the registration. We've got uh, links to all of our social media where you can see previews of the stages. There's information on all the stages. Um, there's links to, to sign up and, and to, to volunteer as well as to sponsor. So if you're interested in that, please, please hit us up. And then uh, the Vapor Trail. Yeah, Vapor Trail. Currently, we, we have our Instagram page and Facebook page and working on the website, um, you know, with, with waiting on U.S. U.S. Forest Service approval is paramount right now. Um, but wanted to get some early communication out via our social media pages, uh, which we did, um, and we'll be uh, releasing a website here in the very near future. All right, cool. Rob Salida Racing, at Salida Racing on Instagram. Is that the best place to find the Salida High School? Team? Yeah, so you can just search Salida Racing. I think it's Salida.Racing on Instagram. Okay. And um, we have a Facebook page, Salida Racing as well. And a bunch of cool videos. Like I said, our director, Kim Smith, is very good at making videos, really good at, you know, everything digital. And um, so she's really built out a, a cool site, and it's a fun team to follow. Yeah, cool. A lot of, lot of good riders. And, uh, Sean, finally, Absolute Bikes, what uh, people can come in here, downtown Salida. What else? You guys got a website, right? Yep, absolutebikes.com. Yep. So. And on Instagram, I think, right? Yes. Absolute Bikes. All right. Cool. And uh, uh, that's right. Trail conditions. You, you, is that posted on the Absolute site? Uh, yes, it is. And and uh, we're doing our doing our best to keep it uh, updated, depending on the on the storms and yep. and um, yeah, and it's and nice. and doing our best to get out there and personally look at the conditions yes yeah. yeah and you guys got the rental fleet going is that uh, a thing again or uh, uh no rentals for for this year but yep. we will be doing demos okay cool and i do think uh listeners should know um bike fits sean is one of the best around uh, i was lucky to recently do a bike fit with sean and um, i've done a few of these over the years sean he was definitely the best and most comprehensive so um thank you and my 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 position is feeling good the saddle's feeling good so even if people are coming from from out of town good way to spend a few hours uh, making sure everything's dialed in because it makes a huge difference thank you travis all right guys Thanks again. Uh, Yeah, let's bike. Thanks Thanks a lot, Travis. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, folks, thanks as always for listening. Great to have you along. Great to uh, know that you're part of our team. We really do appreciate uh, just your support, your feedback, your engagement. You're always welcome to reach out to me, and you're always welcome to share these episodes, uh, rate, review, or subscribe. Uh, Definitely appreciate that. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, The Feed and Kyoku. Check out thefeed.com slash Travis Macy. Uh, I mentioned before a, a newer product, for, or at least new to me, from The Feed that I've been using uh, is a 12-liter pack by the USWE brand, U-S-W-E. Uh, you've probably seen these things a lot, uh, the mountain bike, gravel bike scene. They have unique uh single attachment at the sternum and uh, it really does keep the pack from 
from bouncing around as, as much as usual. So um, I've been using that on some of my longer rides so far. And as the weather gets nice and I hopefully make some time to get up higher into the Alpine for even longer bike rides, uh, I know that's going to be a key piece of my gear this summer. Um, please also consider checking out our book. It's called A Mile at a Time. Uh, this thing's been on shelves for three weeks now, and I'm happy to say it's it's going really well. Um, Dad and I are having fun doing events with it, doing podcasts, uh, etc. We really appreciate the support of, of anyone who um, takes the time to purchase that book on, on hardcover or audio. Uh, it's, it's available wherever books are sold uh, also on my website travismacy.com you can get some uh, previews and stuff and if you happen to be in Colorado this week uh, we have an event uh, on the day that you'll be hearing this April 3rd uh, we're going to be at the Tattered Cover Bookstore on Colfax at 6 p.m. Super psyched for that. Uh, one of my favorite, when I was a kid, we used to take field trips to the Tattered Cover, and like, it's always had this special place uh, in my book-loving mind. Uh, we will share that event with Dr. Annie Fenn, MD, author of The Brain Health Kitchen Cookbook. Fantastic book, incredible expert in the uh, brain health world, so just so honored to share that with uh, with Annie. Then the next night, 6.30 p.m., we'll be at uh, Boulder Bookstore on Pearl Street, another just fantastic location, awesome store. They've been super supportive of us. Uh, Dr. Finn's going to be there, and joining us will be Dr. Cindy Weinstein, um, who has also been a podcast guest, uh, another ally kind of in, in this Alzheimer's community. Love to have you along for that. The Boulder event um, does take tickets. So if you go to the Boulder Bookstore website and then click on events, uh, you can get to a, a $5 ticket uh, for that. I would, If you think you want to go, I'd recommend getting one ahead of time. And then finally, uh, Wednesday, we will be at Berkeley Park Running Company at 6 p.m. Awesome uh, running specialty store in Wheat Ridge. Uh, so love to... Um, see you at any of those uh all right guys thanks for uh thanks for your support um life's a team sport and uh, i'm glad that we can keep uh navigating this thing together the travis macy show is part of the palm tree pod co-network of podcast it is produced and edited by anthony palmer the content for this episode is created by me travis macy